the Uproom Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit uproomfrisco.com. This morning, I just have a, a few words uh, from the Father's heart, and my sincere, deep prayer is that one of these words, or all of these words, awaken you to more of Abba's love, to Dad's affection, to the Father's care and kindness and gentle mercies and love for you because he loves the stuffing out of you. Was anyone thinking, like, when these parents were up here holding those babies, were any of you thinking, that's how Dad is holding me right now? That's how he cherishes me. That's how he believes and hopes and prays the best for me. That's how he loves every single squishy cheek on me. He is our father. And it it begs the, to me it begs the question, you know, when we're looking at all of these babies, why do we make all these babies? What, why, did, why did you endeavor in this insane adventure of, of bringing a child into this world? And I know there, you're thinking of a whole host of reasons, anything from humorous to, you know, sacred. And I'm sure we wouldn't have so many babies up here if it wasn't so fun, like when you make them. <laughs> right? Can we praise God for that together? If he wanted to, we could be reproducing like plants or something, you know? But he made it really fun. Um, (laughs) If you're here for the very first time. But seriously, like what? Why? Why why do do we want kids? Why do we? Why do parents, why do people bring children into the world? Or, or maybe what prompted the occasion for, for this, this beautiful thing to hap- happen? Because it, it seems like God is, is happy to use any reason that you come up with and, and even mishaps uh, at times to just make more babies. He just loves reproducing. And it's one of the... The, the purposes of man, uh, you know, to, to fill the world, subdue it, to, to multiply. And I applaud Frisco for uh, fulfilling that purpose of man. We, we're busting at the seams in the Children's Center. Put, put the giving slide back up, please. No, I'm just kidding. Um, if you're uh, someone like Job or the guy who wrote uh, Ecclesiastes, which is, you know, historically known as Solomon, you actually might be wondering if it's better not to be born at all. Uh, But I think that they were Enneagram fours, uh, (laughs) having a real case of the Mondays when they wrote that. It seems like a lot of the prophets were going through caffeine withdrawals on a Monday morning when they picked up their quills, right? Why, would, why, did, why did Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in some moment 
you know, sometimes so long ago, why did they say within themselves, to themselves, through themselves, why did the Father, Son, why did God say, let us make man in our own image? This is a God who doesn't need anything, right? So some of us, you know, parents, um, deep down, we, there was something that needed to be fulfilled. And a lot of babies are born thinking that they're gonna fix something in us or, or we have a need, but God has no need, right? And most of the time when we have a baby, we realize that that baby is not fixing us, right? That baby doesn't say thank you for like three years, right? <laughs> I'm giving you my whole life. You know that moment when the baby finally smiles back at you like with some look of appreciation and you're like, oh my God, like, you know that I exist? <laughs> he is the, the father of all. He, he didn't need us. He, didn't, he doesn't need uh, our help with anything, Right? He wasn't thinking, how can I um, you know, just continue to um, bring more like, workers into this situation? You know, I, I, I'm thinking about building a planet and I'm gonna need workers for it. You know, to, he, none of that. He, but he is the, the father of all. And I don't know if you, you have the slide for it today. Did, did that come through to you? Good job, David. Thank you. He's our dad, right? This is 1 Corinthians 6, 8. There's one father from whom are all. Ephesians 4, 6. We have one God and father of all who is over all. That's a weird place for the quotation. And through all <laughs> and in all. That's my fault. So one God and father of all. So who is he the father of? Good. Let's try it again. Who is he the father of? All. Who is he over? All. Who is he through? All. Who is he in? All. He's the dad of all dads. Acts 17, 29. We are all his children. And Jesus even prayed and Danielle prayed it today. We prayed it together. Our father. Now, that, is, that was one of the most radical things Jesus ever said. Like, who is this guy who's calling the deity that is Yahweh, the God who led it? Who is he to say, call that God, Daddy, Abba, Papa? It's one of the reasons, it's probably the main reason that they were trying to kill Jesus because Jesus was trying to bring into the world the realization that God isn't a distant, angry deity that needs to be placated, but he is our ever-present father who dearly loves every single one of us. That really shook up the system. And you know, anyone who shakes up a system is either killed or canceled, right? Right? And then John 20, 17, this isn't just Jesus saying that the Father is my Father. He's including all of us in this moment when he's about to ascend to the Father and he's talking to Mary. He says, he says go tell the guys, I go to my Father and your Father. 
and Philip, you know, pleading with Jesus, please show us the Father. And Jesus is saying, Philip, have I been with you so long and you're still missing it? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if God didn't need us, if he didn't need like obedience robots to bring about, you know, the advancement of his kingdom on a planet that he wanted to make look like heaven, what was his core reason? And I think the answer is actually in the the second part of let us make man. It's in our image. And I think if we look at the image of God, we begin to understand why he made man. Because God... It's not a three-letter word. He's a three-person family. The image of God is family. And so the core purpose of man is for connection, fellowship. It means that we're, we're supposed to enjoy the giving and receiving of love. We were created to experience family. Paul in Ephesians, he even starts to allude to the fact he uses this beautiful metaphor and he says that even the, the, the father, spirit, and son, they're like dad, mom, and son. And he goes on to say that uh, good, really good news, we get to marry into the family. I mean, that's, that's an incredible last name to take, isn't it? It's better than Shuck, isn't it, Ashley? <laughs> Y'all, this woman loves me. She was Ashley Adams. What a cool name, right? (laughs) God, he wanted to expand the party. He wanted to enlarge the family. He wanted all of us together to enjoy the wild, rambunctious display of family celebration. And all of our purpose actually flows from that original reason for creation. All of our purpose flows from connection. If you're wondering uh, what your purpose is, find your people first. And your purpose will flow from that connection. We're created for connection and fellowship and, and the intoxicating joy of oneness, togetherness, unity. And it's not just uh, for connection with God. It's God created us as equally, equally important is our connection with each other. And you might be thinking, well, we'll just back up, back up, back up. We can't love anyone more than God. Well, here's the thing. God created Adam and Adam had what we think we all want, right? Adam had complete connection, communion, hanging out, fellowship, walking with God in the cool of the day. I mean, how awesome would it be to be Adam in that season, right? That's what we all want. Just give me all of God. If I just have God, I'm good. But God looked at that situation and he said, this is not good. Man is still alone. And he created for us the most amazing helpers for which we now get to enjoy uh, showing to the world what the love of God is like for humanity through our love between husbands and wives. You know, God doesn't like to do stuff alone. He, he's a fun hang. He, he's the, the only person who never needed any help chose 12 helpers. 
It says in Mark 3 that he chose them that they might be with him. And then he would send them out to tell the world the best news ever, right? But it starts off with, he chose the 12 that they might be with him. If you're wondering what you're made for, it's for connection within family, within God. God is not an angry, distant deity. He is the kindest father you will ever run into. And he is a father who sent his son to bring us home when we had lost our way. He is the opposite of the prodigal son, uh, good son story, you know, the, the son that was angry. He is the, the, the best brother ever. He conspired between father, son, Holy Spirit. Jesus is like, hey, listen, though they wandered off into a distant country and squandered the inheritance of the image of God. Let me go get them. And Jesus, like the best big brother, came and found us and brought us all home. Y'all know, y'all know that I love when my kids love on me. It's amazing. But you know what I probably love even more? It's watching my kids love on each other. I know they love me. I'm their dad and I'm awesome. But when they, but when they begin to step into their God-given identity as love bearers and show and prefer and, and help and, and hold their siblings, that is just a whole other world of intoxicating joy. Am I right? Parents, you can attest. I mean, that is oil flowing down the beard of Aaron, right? When brothers dwell together in unity. Like, <laughs> It is amazing and a blessing. It's such a blessing to live in that kind of atmosphere where you see kids loving on one another. This one time I, I, I was out front in the front yard and I saw Jane. Jane is one of our biggest risk takers. She had to be eight years old at this time and she is going down the sidewalk on a scooter faster than you think any eight-year-old should go on a sidewalk on a scooter. And I'm watching her go and sure enough, she catches one of those ledges on the sidewalk and falls down and scrapes herself up really bad. And I know this is going to be multi-band-aid situation. And so <clears throat> I take off running and I look over and my oldest son, Judah, he's closer to her than me. And he watches the same thing happen and he's running just as fast as I am. He's running and he gets to her first and I see him get down and, and wrap his arms around his little sister. And I'll, I'll never forget it. He's just rocking and holding her and I, and I'm emotionally compromised as I'm running up. <laughs> and uh, I saw my son display 
uh, a love just as deep or even deeper than, than my own, you know, like in that moment. And uh, I can imagine the Father in the heavens while Jesus is incarnate walking on earth and Jesus, <clears throat> the oldest son, firstborn among many brethren, he sees a leper that needs a hug. You can imagine the joy that the father's feeling because he's saying, that's my love manifesting on the earth again. That is what my heart is like. I can see the joy of the Father in heaven as he sees the sun stooping down in the dust to pardon the woman who had gotten herself all scraped up by life. <sighs> Why are we called to love so radically, to love so self-givingly? Why are we called to even radically love our enemies? I mean, that we're of the only religion where it says love your enemy. You know that? If you're wondering what distinguishes Christianity, enemy love. It's one of the things. Why are we called to be so merciful? Why are we called to believe the best about people? Why are we called to forgive everyone and anyone all the time? Why are we called to be so radical in our mercy? Why are we called to not even resist an evil person? These calls of Jesus are not mere requirements for discipleship. They are identifiers of God's love. They are actually showing us what our dad is like. He is the one who is radically merciful. He is the one who loves his enemies. He is the one who didn't resist the evil people. He is the one. And now we get to live in that kind of love because, because we've tasted it from, from him. That verse about enemy love, you can find it in, in Matthew 5. It's the beautiful you know, Sermon on the Mount. We don't have to put it up there. I'm just going to summarize it. It's love your enemies. Pray for those who, who persecute you. Because when you do these kinds of things, you show that you are children of your dad. And here it is. Jesus says, because our father causes his son, the son the star in the sky, to shine on the good and the bad alike. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. See, the sun isn't able to be stingy with who the sun shines on. The sun can't wake up one day and think, I'm just gonna shine on Algeria, but not the country next to it. Or, you know, the sun was shining on Mother Teresa. We have an easy time believing the sun was shining on Mother Teresa. I mean, she's a glowing saint sent from God. But the exact same sun on the exact same day in the exact same time in history, the same sun that was shining on Mother Teresa was shining on Stalin, Mussolini, Mussolini. <laughs> his wife, Mussolini. Um, <laughs> <laughs> History, hashtag, Kim Jong-il, 
The sun was shining. The exa- they were alive at the same time. The, sun, the same sun that rose that day to shine on the saint, Mother Teresa, was shining on tyrants. It's because he deeply loves everyone. So much so that he even throws party when he throws a party when someone like a Mussolini or a Kim Jong-il takes one step back home. He is crazy in love with his kids. Even the foolish sheep that wanders off from the herd wanders off from the 99. He is the shepherd who looks, you know, scours the land, hunts down, finds that one lost sheep, carries it home. He looks for that sheep until he finds it. And when he brings it back, he calls everyone around and throws a party because he found his sheep. He found that lost one. We've all been that sheep. Aren't you glad that he came after you? He's just like the woman who lights a lamp to find the one lost coin. She had 10, but now she's missing one. She turns the house. This is God turning the house upside down, lighting a light. Do you know why the Holy Spirit, do you know why the woman lit a light to look for the coin? Because even lost coins still shine. Even lost coins still bear the mark of their maker. And that woman lit that light, hoping that in a pile of dust, she would see a glimmer. And when she found it, what did she do? What did she do? She called everyone together and threw a party. I found my coin. That's you, beloved. He found you and threw a party. And the the most famous of all, of course, the prodigal son, he takes one step back home and the father sees him still from a long distance away and the father goes running, right? Showers him with gifts and dignity. Redignifies his lost son who probably smelled like a pig pen. And what did he do? He threw a party. He's crazy. He's a crazy dad. He's a crazy shepherd. He's a crazy woman looking for those lost coins. Have you ever noticed that you've got the shepherd, the woman, and then the father in that one? You have the son, the spirit, and the father all acting in the same undignified manner. So I want to join the party together right now. Can I have the ministry team come up? Something that often happens to me in worship is that I just, I remember how much he loves me, right? Anybody else can testify? I remember that I'm his, I'm his kid. I feel shame being broke. I feel safety and peace. I feel the affection, the strong arms. I mean, there's a hundred different reasons why I, I cry or dance, you know, in worship. There's just something breaking in on me of the love of the Father. And I want... I want the love of the Father to break in on hearts this morning. 